Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode 272. Shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Wednesday, the 3rd of November, and we begin with U.S. news. Republicans sweep Virginia, winning governor, attorney general, and lieutenant governor seats in a rebuttal to Biden policies and a strong endorsement of Trump. Sridharji, welcome to P Guru's channel. Sridhar, and, and, and congratulations to you, sir. You have been predicting that with the kind of scorched earth policy that the Biden administration was pursuing, that it will end up being a disaster for them, and you have proved right. Well, I think uh, uh, good morning to everybody and good evening to everybody, whichever part of the world, or good day to all, you know, around the world. Um, I think it's uh, the policies, the, the ineffectiveness of the policies and sometimes the draconian nature of the policies, uh, especially around the critical race theory and all the fights that was going on in schools uh, and being called domestic terrorists, etc., uh, doesn't seem to have resonated with the voters. Uh, this is a big victory in Virginia for uh, for the Republicans for 12 years. Uh, it has been a democratic state all along. Uh, the voters have turned up and given up uh, given up a thumbs down to Biden. I think that's a telling uh, message that is going across to him. And it's silly the Democrats still don't accept it, especially the progressives. They are blaming still Manchin and uh, Kirsten Cinema for uh, the loss in uh, in Virginia. Well, uh, I, if, if anything has to be read, uh, Senator Manchin was reading the tea leaves correctly, that he knew that the wind was blowing against the Democratic Party. In fact, he may be actually saving them from more damage if they had gone down the path they were going. This is just my two cents, sir. And let's take a look at New Jersey race. It is extremely tight. And Jack Seattle of the Republican Party is leading by a margin less than, I think, last uh, count, 200 votes. So this is this is this could go either way. But the fact that one of the most uh, uh, strong Democratic uh, citadels is about to fall is in itself a very noticeable thing. Sitaji, what could be the reasons for these two debacles for the Biden administration, sir? Uh, well, I think that the uh, New Jersey has followed the same pattern. Uh, New Jersey, uh, one can debate and argue. The vaccine uh, mandate is one thing. Uh, the, uh, the employment is another thing. Um, the third, I think that there's in mo both Republic, both in uh, Virginia as well as in New Jersey, the African-American voters did not turn up which traditionally the votes go towards traditionally I, that's changing traditionally goes towards the democrats the fact that they are disgusted with these vaccine mandates and mask mandates and considerable restraint on the freedom of movement uh, is hurting the democrats very badly and in new york mayoral elections eric adams is projected as the winner Trump-backed Kerry wins the House seat in Ohio. Ohio Democrat Chantel Brown wins Fudge seat. So uh, in Ohio, how do the trends look like, Sridharji? Going very much along the predicted patterns. Uh, you know, the uh, Chantrell's constituency, you know, stretches from uh, Cleveland to Akon. Uh, it's a very strong uh, Democratic base. And uh, so she's uh, very easily won the Tom Fudge's seat. As far as the uh, the other one is concerned, it's very commendable that uh, Kerry has retained uh, a, re a Republican seat, 
which is also seen in Ohio. Sometimes there is a swing, but the fact that he has been able to hold is a pretty good, uh, pretty good outcome. And I think the Republicans will cheer. There's something for Democrats to be concerned about their budget. They are, they have to be concerned about their mandates. They really have to be concerned about this critical race theory, which they're blowing it apart and calling parents as domestic terrorists. They really have to be concerned about this whole inflation uh, that is looming. Uh, thus far, people survived on the uh, stimulus uh, and with the stimulus pulling out, there's a concern about uh, the economy and the inflation. Uh, there's also a, a concern that is coming from the generally divisive nature of the policies. Not yet the illegal immigration issues has propped up as an issue, but other five issues that I alluded to uh, seems to be resonating or seems to be uh, swinging the votes towards, especially the independent votes towards the Republicans in these specific states. It's conceivable even some of the Democrats, uh, traditional Democrats would have voted uh, both in New Jersey and clearly in Virginia have swung towards the Republican Party. Finally, at least in Virginia, uh, the stamp of Trump uh, is very clearly felt. That's the general feedback and sentiments. And progressive Democrat with close ties to Elizabeth Warren, Michelle Wu becomes the mayor of Boston. White House knew exactly where I stood on budget, the 1.75 trillion or the 3.5 trillion bill, Senator Manchin claims as the discord grows. Sanders rules out generous tax cut for the wealthy in blue states. So this, this shadow boxing that's going on between Senator Sanders and Senator Manchin continues. Uh, perhaps now Sanders may want to climb down from his ivory tower. I don't know. What are your thoughts, sir? He will not climb down. Progressives will not compromise. They're, they're like, you know, the communists. They are very steadfast. Not like they are communists. They're very steadfast in their principles. They never climb down. They're actually going to push the other people to change their opinion. Whosoever they can find to blame, they will blame. All you need to do is study uh, Venezuela, uh, study uh, Honduras, uh, study Cuba, study Russia. And you look at all these uh, states. I mean, even China for that matter. Does anybody change their views on Xi Jinping? Does the Xi Jinping ever change his views on anything? No, he even becomes more merciless. Uh, so that's what you're going to see. They don't, uh, they don't, they're not going to change, sir. It is conceivable that there could be a break in the Democratic Party, and maybe there's a third party that is that is possible. Uh, because you know the traditional Democrats will not join the Republican Party, or there could be two factions. Uh, it remains to be seen how this plays out. Sir, if if the uh, law agencies act on some of the pending investigations, that will cool down the progressive temper quite a bit, sir. There are some rabid elements, radical elements that need to be checkmated. I, I don't know. I mean, that, I'm just saying, but the, 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 what is the interest for us? We need a healthy democracy. For a healthy democracy, we need two robust parties who can debate on issues and find the best thing for the American public. This is what we want. And, and that's all we are looking at. Uh, Siddharthi, Biden's bill on social welfare and climate accord is expected to kill 103,000 jobs and raise taxes on 80% of America. Now, um, the, the tax, the moment somebody says that your taxes are going to go up, that always raises shackles. And even when 
taxes are reduced, it's no guarantee that you are, you are going to win elections. I, I'm a little intrigued about which sectors are going to lose jobs, Sridharji. Can you throw some light on it? Uh, obviously, there's a very big, uh, you know, loss of jobs in the energy sector. There's a significant number of people employed in exploration. There's a significant number of people uh, employed in uh, the production. There's a significant number of people, engineering and casual workers, in, in, uh, involved in uh, the pipelines and maintenance and uh, the such type of work. Uh, there are existing labor involved uh, in uh, uh, in, in support of uh, the, the, the projects uh, that were, uh, for example, Keystone Pipeline, and uh, that's just one example. Uh, you know, people who are involved in completing the projects. Uh, I forget the name of the, uh, the specific project, but there is another pipeline that is going from, uh, you know, downtown, uh, sorry, that's going from Michigan to uh, right across uh, the, the water to, to Canada. That, pipe, that project is already shelved halfway through the, the, the efforts. Uh, then there was the border construction that is going to be shelved. So most of the projects that are going to be shelved relates to those which has direct or indirect bearing on the climate. In a, it's not that you are going to switch from the uh, you know the high octane or the uh, uh, energy emission uh, projects uh, to electronic overnight. And electronic uh, initiatives may require different skills and may require different type of people to come in and do the work. So I think that this is where uh, it is going. As far as the tax, I mean, that was known, the 103,000 or 110,000. But what is intriguing is the uh, the number of people who are like to be who are going to be taxed is almost close to 80% of the current taxpayers. I mean, it's not 80% of U.S. population. It is 80% of the current taxpayers whose taxes are going to go up. And rash of violence in schools is bringing back campus cops into the campuses. House Democrats demand answers from all 93 U.S. attorneys on the DOJ memo targeting parents. Siddharji, uh, first off, the number 93. There are 50 states. Uh, are there more than one U.S. attorneys in some states, sir? Yes, asymmetric allocation is there in some states. Uh, and so, therefore, also some of the district courts where you have the attorneys um, and um, so you find circuit courts, I'm sorry. So you're going to see all of these people who operate outside the bandwidth of the SCOTUS or the Supreme Court, uh, where there are the justices, they are going to be called into action uh, and asked to be, asked to, uh, be uh, brief the, uh, the House or the Senate as the case may be, to say what exactly is the brief that has been given to you? Uh, have you been told that anybody who opposes CRT is called a domestic terrorist and must be prosecuted? So truth is going to come out. Already we have seen the election outcome. Now it's going to make this issue top of the agenda as we kind of play out in the next two to three months. Sir, sir in my opinion, all Mr. Biden needs to do is to fire one person out of the White House, out of his sight, and things will get righted very, very quickly. That's just my take. Yours, if you've been watching DGI, you know who I am talking about. Um, well, just move on. The workers' revolt continues against vaccine mandates as it now reaches large corporations, hospital workers, frontline workers managing COVID. Sridharji, now there are some studies that have come, or I shouldn't say studies, there are some 
data that is coming out of Pfizer's research labs. Again, I have no basis for this, but it's just something that I read on social media that some of the scientists who have been working on vaccines in Pfizer have said that the human body's uh, ability to fight these uh, viruses is actually better than the vaccine. And uh, I, I don't know how true this will is, is, but why are people not willing to take vaccine shots? Uh, I think that there are three essential reasons. The uh, first reason that uh, is, it is an evolving theory. For example, let me tell you today's headline. The people with pregnancy taking, I'm not going to mention the brand, a specific vaccine could cause potential problems. So they're going to discontinue administering to the pregnant women. So what happened to all the pregnant women who had administered these vaccines before? So he's going to pay for this if there is a damage. So this type of news advocacy is creating an uncertainty is the first part of it. The second part of it is the second uh, rationale is, have you really tested my antibodies in the system? Does everybody require a vaccine or does people with specific deficiencies require vaccine? No research to kind of validate. It's the second reason. The third, some of the people who have taken vaccines, even in the front line, they found that they were helpless e either way. They got the COVID. Some of them even got twice and thrice. They recovered using their immunity. Not all, but many of them did, especially the youngsters. So they're saying the, under this scenario, why not you give us the choice just as we have flu vaccine? I'm not suggesting that they both are same, but this is the rationale that is prevalent in the minds of the people based on this data. And that is the reason why there is uncertainty and there is hesitancy on the part of the people. And, and viewers, stay tuned because there is some very good news coming down the pipeline about Covaxin. We will give you all the details when it comes to the India segment. Let's continue on. Senator Hawley introduces bill to bolster U.S. assistance on the defense of Taiwan. This is to be expected. Texas governor offers ports to alleviate the disruptions caused by Californian ports mismanagement. Remember, viewers, yesterday we talked about this. Sridharji had talked about this at length, why so many ships are deliberately kept at bay and not being allowed to dock because of a stupid rule that these people are claiming. So uh, it, see, these things are, you know, uh, one, body, one, one state's problem is another state's opportunity. And, and California cannot be blasé about this. They're already losing a lot of big businesses to Texas. This would be one more. Uh, Sridharji, do you think Texas has the ports the size of LA and San Francisco? Well, two things. Um, one is first and foremost, they operate 24 hours. That's number hmm. one. Californian uh, ports don't operate 24 hours. Well, strong liberal labor unions. They don't. Number one. Number two, Texas is situated centrally. So therefore, the logistics of moving the containers to the respective destinations using three methods of transport. Number one, trains. Number two, air. And number three, road. That facility is available in Texas relative to California. Okay, that's the second. The third is that their logistical capabilities in Texas is far greater 
than relative to what California has built in recent times. Texas is a vast state, just like California. Uh, vast parts of California is a desert. Vast parts of Texas has got industry. Uh, and uh, basically, they are also labor laws which allow them to be very flexible in how the ports are managed, how the transportation is done, and how the handling of the cargo is managed uh, is another significant factor which, which Mr. Greg Abbott has pointed out. The other thing is that it is a large, I mean, they have, they are centrally located. They can use the Panama Canal. They can also use other mechanisms. And what he's saying is they can quickly disperse uh, into either Atlantic or into Pacific fairly quickly from the perspective of going and either clearing the load or bringing a new, new load. So he has made a very persuasive case as to why they should move the stuff from California to Texas. Well, um, uh, certainly, personally, I'm also seeing many of my friends uh, relocate to Texas. And uh, this is usually a trickle, but then it can become a flood uh, if, if, if California doesn't reverse itself. And, and unfortunately, you know, Gavin Newsom has found another uh, term now. He's been, you know, uh, re-elected, so to say. And I don't know, unless he changes some policies, this is going to be a disaster for California. There's only so much that you can ride on the Googles and Facebooks of the world. Uh, let's go on to global news. As the two-day COPS26 summit concluded, nations make progress on deforestation, methane emissions, and climate financing. U.S. chides China for its non-compliance and commitment. Sridharji, this is a known. China will not agree on anything. I mean... What is the percentage of electricity they get from their coal-fired plants, sir? 80%? No, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. B between coal and other uh, energy, you know, they're somewhere close to 80%. Uh, so their ability to control the emissions, which is why they have pushed it to, to 2060 as opposed to 2050, they're also not going to meet the uh, methane control um, methane-generated uh, emission control, uh, the 2030 targets, which is inching towards that minus 1.5 rather than getting to minus 1.5 degrees in uh, reduction of the temperature. Uh, so therefore, I think the China is still a huge, uh, what you call, uh, emitter of, uh, you know, destructive gases. Uh, so they have no program. At least Modi, uh, India is also considered in one of the top four or five countries in terms of the emissions. I think Modi has laid out a plan uh, to, to the audiences and he's also leading the alternate energy consortiums and, uh, you know, alliances uh, to make sure that there is a transition plan and there is a transition program in place as far as India is concerned. And they wanted Russia and China to come in and make their case and make a presentation. By being absent, uh, they just become indifferent. And Yahoo joins other firms in pulling out of China, citing challenging environment. Half of Beijing's flights cancelled as China tightens COVID restrictions with mounting cases. Let's talk about this for a second. Sridharji, thus far, since 2020, you know, what China had done was as soon as there was an outbreak, they cordoned off Wuhan from the rest of the country. We remember that. I mean, two months, nothing sure. left out of China, left out of Wuhan 
to the other parts of the country, but they allowed people to leave Wuhan to travel overseas. That's how this thing spread outside of Wuhan. They could have easily managed this thing there and this could have been contained in a much more effective way. This thing, they cannot say, oh, we didn't think of it. They would have thought of it. They deliberately did this thing. And for that alone, they need to pay reparations, in my opinion. Sridharji, now they don't have an effective vaccine. What the heck are they going to do, sir? <laughs> well, they control three pieces of information. They control the vaccines they administer to the people, says number one. Number two, they control the data. So therefore, we have no idea what is going on, whether you know vaccinations are genuine and whether the ailments are genuine and where it is happening. So therefore, you have the second. And then the third is they continue to profess theories, which is to say, you know, some other country generated and some other place it happened. It could be caused by some strange food habits. But the fact that it was first southeast, then it went to northeast. Now it is uh, encircling Beijing is a reflection that whatever they are saying thus far doesn't seem to make sense. And unless they come out of their wool and become more transparent in putting this issue, not only China, but the world is at risk because many nations which are favorable to China are very sympathetic and they think somehow they have a different set of rules as far as quarantine and entry and exit is concerned, fearing the repercussions of Chinese ire. And Nikolai Patrushev, the powerful secretary of the Kremlin Security Council, met the director of CIA, William Burns, in Moscow to discuss U.S.-Russian relations. Patrushev's office said in a statement, Sridharji, is, uh, is there a deal of sorts being worked with Russia? What do you think was the reason for this meeting? Well, I think historically, uh, the, the CIA of um Biden administration or Obama administration, they feel the best way to deal with the Russians is to keep talking to them and, uh, you know, trying to understand. My view is that the CIA discussions may be more pertaining to very specifically Ukraine and what is going on in Afghanistan, uh, which we will cover more extensively early next week. Uh, it looks like ISIS-K is extremely active. Uh, and uh, they have taken out uh, a, a senior Taliban commander. So they must be finding out what the hell is going on and trying to get some perspectives from the Russians. And the head of United Nations Atomic Watchdog has compared his agency's efforts to monitor Iran's nuclear programs to flying in high clouds and that the situation cannot go on like this for much longer. So this again puts a spoke in the wheel as far as uh, a nuclear accord with Iran is concerned. So we'll have to wait and see how things play out. More than 20 people have been killed and at least 16 people have been injured in a gun and bomb assault on a military hospital, Sardar Daud Khan Hospital in Afghan capital, Kabul. ISIS-K affiliate has claimed responsibility. This goes directly to what you just said, Sridharji. Yeah, indeed, indeed. There's, a, there's also... Uh, a floating uh, information that is coming through that many of these special forces and special commandos trained by the United States in the Afghan army, they have not joined Taliban, but they have joined ISIS-K and ISIS-K affiliates. This is a problem that the world has to contend with. How they misled, misread the situation 
is beyond comprehension. It's uh, we, we haven't even got down to this. That's why I say we probably will cover more detail next week. Uh, but it is a huge issue in terms of the failure of the administrations. It uh, doesn't matter whether it is Trump, Biden, Obama, uh, Bush, doesn't matter. I think that it's a significant failure because it's been going on for 20 years. You know, Trump kept them under the hoods, but didn't solve the problem. And Biden has just opened the, the kabuna and all these issues now propping up. An Ethiopian government declares a state of emergency as rival Tigray forces threaten to move on to the country's capital in an escalating war. President Erdogan, who has established relations with 39 African countries, selling the various versions of Bakaita drones is potentially creating a tenuous situation in a continent rife with wars. Is this Turkish technology or is it something that they have taken from China and put a, a stamp made in Turkey, sir? No, no, no. That gentleman is uh, an MIT scientist and a graduate. He went back and he started to build the drones. So then he became affiliated with the Turkish army and the government. He is the supplier. So now that is being used basically to export and this extensively used by Iran. You know, we covered this uh, story. In fact, going back to some DGIs, you can even see a couple of pictures we put up uh, in the DGI show how these drones look like. Now, the latest one is in Kampala, the Ugandan president who has been a dictator uh, is showcasing these machines uh, to the people, probably threatening many of these uh, you know, what you call the under, uh, the, the activists or rebels, you can come near me because I've got this. If this is a technique that is going to be used, Africa is a continent which is uh, riveting with issues of this uh, jihadism, uh, you know, discrimination and group wars and so on. This could be a potential problem that is looming from that specific region. This is one more uh, issue. Uh, that we, that is the reason why people ask sometimes why we cover we cover because this could become a potential melting point as it begins to spread from there all the way into Afghanistan. Yes, indeed, and we shall wait and watch as always. And there is here is uh, some India news. U.S. lawmaker Carolyn Maloney to introduce a bill to make Diwali a federal holiday. Said, when was the last time a new day was added to the list of federal holidays? I don't remember in the recent past. So this is a uh, telling victory for the. It's a telling victory for, uh, you know, Hindu Americans. You know, I am a Hindu American. You are a Hindu American. Uh, it is a telling victory uh, on on the back of several things that uh, the guys within the progressives and the left wing jihadis or the left wing Lutians have been pushing uh, and uh, showcasing uh, the Hinduism. But you have now you are now beginning to see Diwali being accepted as a holiday, a federal holiday, which is a huge endorsement when it gets approved. And you are the most popular man in my country. Come and join my party, Naftali Bennett tells PM Modi. India, the president of... You want to say something about it, sir? He's your good friend, Naftali Bennett. Uh, well, Mr. Naftali Bennett is a very astute man and he's a tech guy and Modi is a big tech man. And so therefore, they kind of resonated. Uh, you know, uh, without the pun, uh, probably uh, anybody who can come and join Naftali Bennett's party to boost his majority, he will take it. 
and there's no better person than Mr. Modi himself uh, to be invited. I am sure Mr. Bibi, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu have different views because uh, Modi has a very warm relationship with Mr. Netanyahu as well. But some of the videos, if you see, I mean, there was a you know very warm camaraderie uh, between the two people. I mean, that just, just the way uh, you know Modi operates as well. So it's a it's a pretty good sign. And and I must say one thing, you know, those of us in uh, the social media were criticizing Modi for his jappy diplomacy, you got to understand that he's able to be good friends on either side of a political spectrum in many countries, BB New Earth, BB and now Naftali, for example. So Modi does have a knack of connecting one-on-one -on -one with people. And that's something that needs to be appreciated. This is just my observation, Sridharji. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I think uh, I endorse the sentiments. Uh, for example, he was great with Trump. He's stuck on with Biden. Uh, you know, he was uh, great with Macron, he's great with uh, Scott Morrison, and he's great with uh, uh, Shinzo Abe, then to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, now to uh, Mr., uh, you know, uh, Kishida. So he, he, he has a tendency to work with people on issues rather than their political biases. Uh, and he always is willing to shake hands and basically say, how can we work together and what are the common areas that we can work? I think that's what is helping him to navigate and you can see the body language and comfort factor that he respects the other side rather than being unilaterally abusive uh, or one way or the other way. So I think that's what is resonating, sir. Uh, and speaking of Shinzo Abe, sir, do you have any update on his health? I think he's continuing to trundle along. I mean, he's not out of the woods. He's just continuing to, uh, to maintain and he's still in the back door. He's active with the LDP. India, the president of ISA, I'm sorry, the president of USA, UK, the hosts of COP26 summit, commit to partnering in creating a globally interconnected solar grids. Sridharji, is this something like the national power grid? I think it is. Uh, it's very similar. You remember that there are two significant alliances that they are looking at. One is with Italy to create this energy distribution corridor in India. And with uh, Britain to, yeah, to, to do a yeah, global um, interconnected global grids uh, to, uh, to, uh, to make sure that there is a continuing supply of uh, the solar energy flowing around the world. Um, you remember that uh, Britain suffered uh, you know, power crisis as a result of abnormality of the wind power that created price spikes in Britain. We touched on this in DGI, but not in detail. So I think Britain is very keen to build anything that gives them sustained and predictable continuous source of energy. And Rajnath Singh led DAC clears proposals worth rupees 7,965 crores for the modernization of armed forces under Make in India. Indian government approves procurement of 12 indigenous light helicopters. Ensure, so let's stop here. Sidharji, India is continuing to beef up its defenses. Basically sending a very clear message, both to the people of the country, as well as to the world, as well as to China. There is no dull moment as far as, far as India's strategic imperative and priority on sovereignty and security of the nation is concerned. It is fully equipped and equipping itself to deal with the issues. 
Ensure at least 18 days of coal supply in thermal power plants by November end, Union Minister Prahlad Joshi tells Coal India. Nirmala Sitaraman holds review meeting on capital expenditure or capex for power, coal and atomic energy. Sridharji, there is a problem real and present in China because of its policy of not importing coal from Australia. Why has this problem exported itself into India or is this something that is being made up, sir? No, I think that there is a fear that with increasing cost of petrol, as they say in India, we say gas in United States, there is probably a shift or shift in demand or shift in production uh, to lower cost, lower cost of energy. So they are uh, beefing up the coal supplies to make sure that there is a transition and increase in power generation uh, in, the, uh, in the thermal power stations. Uh, moving probably a little bit away from the hydroelectric and even for that matter, any of those uh, other distribution centers which require uh, petrol or gas, uh, particularly around distribution as well as, uh, you know, driving the, uh, the driving the production. And let's take a look at markets now. The S&P rises to a record high on the back of strong earnings and the Dow gains 130 points. How does the market look today sir with the republican victory across several states i think the markets are the futures are uh, as i came in uh, was steady state uh, but the day can change uh, look i think close to 60 65% of the snp companies have reported their earnings and we reported again you know uh, more than 80 85% of them bet the estimates uh, on the back of some very good, uh, you know, financial data that is available to them, which is low cost interest rates uh, and also the pent up demand as COVID-19, you know, uh, tapers off. Um, so I think that the markets will continue. They're already at their peaks. We are only, you know, 4,663 uh, or 4,600 plus. We have gone past the 4,500 target for S&P. We are now into 4,700. We are already 23% up in S&P. So I think that there is there is not much left by way of you increasing expectations as to how far it can propel from here. I think we'll finish way ahead of our targets. We'll be in that 18 to 22% as far as the S&P. We'll be around the 15% as far as the Dow, more than 9% that was forecast. And then we'll be again around the similar figure on the uh, the Nasdaq. Nasdaq is going to be good, but it is not like what happened in 2020 or 2019. So I think the markets will finish, as we said before, uh, is a bumper year. Um, and the, fortunately, the interest rates are still holding off around the 1.5, 1.6%. Uh, the energy is in that band of $83 to $84 uh, a barrel, depending on uh, crude or uh, WTI. Uh, then you have, uh, you know, those who are uh, speculating doomsday, you know, the, cri the cryptos continue to, you know, march along. Uh, at least it is way past the $60,000 uh, number on the Bitcoin from my side. I think we'll hit pretty close to somewhere close to $5,000 on the uh, Ethereum and it has come up from around $3,400. Uh, so I think that the crypto is here. Uh, the energy prices have hit the band from around $45. 
All this means that what we predicted, the economy rebounding and the markets have performed on the back of a favorable environment uh, coming out of COVID as well as the interest rates. With that, we bring to close today's edition. We're going to take a break of a few days and we'll be back again bright and early on Monday morning with our next episode. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Do like, share and subscribe our channel and do not forget to click on the bell button. Namaskar, Sridharji. We'll see you again on Monday, sir. Namaskar. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, wish you all a, a happy Naraka Chaturdasi, Diwali, Lakshmi Puja. Uh, Dante Raz and so on. Uh, so we, you know, uh, have a great holiday break and, uh, you know, we'll be back bright and ready and to continue with uh, the next avalanche of uh, Global Insights. Thank you very much, sir. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you so much.